FNR, Football Nation Radio. Here comes the money. Oh, they've got to win it with less than 30 seconds to play. Four bosses with Marcus Zapponi and Tony Pinata on FNR Football Nation Radio. Hello, everyone, and uh, welcome to the Football Bosses. Michael Zapponi and Tony Pinata, my co-host. Hello, Tony. Good to have you. Yeah, it's good to uh, be here, Michael. Uh, we're looking forward to uh, the next hour where we're going to discuss the business of sport. A little bit different, uh, Tony. We're going to get stuck into uh, all the financial issues. The the um, well, the speculation around uh, what's happening at the FFA will be addressed. We've got a very special guest coming up soon in the chairman of Adelaide United, Greg Griffin, and uh, he's been one of the agitators, hasn't he, uh, around this uh, constitutional reform? Yes, uh, Greg's got a bit to say, so um, looking forward to um, asking him a few questions tonight. There's also been some change at Brisbane Raw recently, and uh, their CEO is out the door, and a former CEO of the Brisbane Raw is back, and... Uh, there's been a lot of talk around A-League circles around the ownership of the Brisbane Raw and whether it's the right ownership for the future of that club. The Bakery Group, of course, came in a few years ago and, and took over the running of the club, but uh, it hasn't been all smooth sailing there. No. Um, yes, yeah, so I spoke to Mark uh, Kingsman today and, um, yeah, he was uh, in a bit of a shock, I think, after um, being told uh, he was no longer required. And uh, David Pure, who was, uh, who was the MD... Um, Oh, about probably about fourteen, fifteen months ago, and uh, he's back. So uh, yeah, be uh, interesting to uh, hear Mark's view and uh, and what happened uh, over the last few days. A big show lined up, and uh, you can get involved by giving us a call on our talkback number nine nine four four double nine double nine zero three outside Melbourne. So zero three double nine double four double nine double nine. And if you're outside Australia, of course, throw in the six one three in front of that. We are giving away a magnificent prize. Uh, tonight or today and, and over the next uh, week or so on Twitter. If you've got uh, a tweet, um, a question for one of our guests or an idea for uh, the future of, of the show in the next few weeks, uh, get onto uh, Twitter and uh, we've got Money in Sport, which is a great conference coming up uh, on the Gold Coast in November. A delicate pass to Money in Sport is worth $1,500. We're giving away two of those passes. That's $3,000 worth of uh, prize to give away on the football bosses over the next couple of weeks to the, the best question or the best suggestion on Twitter. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's exciting. And, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to... Uh to that conference, I've been to the uh, to the last few, last few, and they're very, very. Uh, it's a very, very good conference, and uh, yeah, it's what, what what the business is all about: money in sport, and um, you know, it's a great prize. And uh, thank to uh, thanks uh, to money in sport for uh, putting it up. So, what you need to do is make sure you tag money in sport Oz A U S uh, in your tweet, and uh, we'll have a look at them over the next few days and uh, get back to you on uh, on the winner. But that is the money in sport conference. On the Gold Coast in November, the best tweet will, over the next few weeks, will uh, win a delegate pass, two delegate passes to that, $1,500 worth each. We've already had a question come through uh, on Twitter, Tony, uh, regarding uh, the A-League. What do you think, uh, well, do you think that it is a sustainable revenue model uh, and what do we need to make sure it is uh, in the future? Uh, You've been involved, of course, as the CEO of Sydney FC, as the CEO of the Wellington Phoenix. You've been involved as the CEO of Football Federation Victoria. So you've got a long history understanding the grassroots and understanding the A-League model, and you've worked very closely with the FFA over the years. Where do we sit at the moment with uh, the A-League and and the finances of the clubs? 
Yeah, well, it's something that um, I'm interested to ask Greg because I know he's got his view and the owners have their views. Um, I, I think from a club's point of view, they want more money. Um, they believe they generate a lot of the money and a lot of the revenue that goes to, uh, to FFA and, um, and they're trying to get a breakdown of that. And it um, be interesting to see how that's progressed since I left in August in terms of uh, getting the breakdown of what the A-League actually contributes to the total revenue of the FFA and the clubs want a share of it. Under the previous uh, TV deal, not the current one, the A-League club's uh, view was that they, they weren't getting enough slice of the pie. Uh, the the new, new deal was done and uh, there was a mixed reaction to the new deal, wasn't there? It was a six-year deal when most people thought in the industry that it was going to be a three- or four-year deal with Fox Sports. Uh, the FFA surprised a lot of people by uh, making that a six-year deal. There wasn't a lot of consultation with the clubs, I'm, I'm told. And uh, the dollar value of the deal, perhaps uh, the view of the clubs, was that it was underwhelming. You were still at Sydney FC as the CEO when it was done. Talk us through the financial implications of the current deal and whether that model is sustainable for, for clubs today. Yeah, I know, I know that the clubs, a lot of clubs were quite surprised. It was a six-year deal. Um, you know, the salary cap's gone up to about 2.925. Um, I know clubs were initially hoping to get around $6 million, which I think was a bit far-fetched. Um, it wasn't going to be a $60 million deal. Um, then they were sort of looking around 3.2 with a few, I suppose, uh, other uh, things thrown in as flights, etc. Um, but they wanted a bigger share. So that's uh, something that's been negotiating. There was a marquee fund which has now been released back to the clubs because I think the marquee situation at the moment is, uh, is probably a little bit... Uh, out of reach of most clubs and the way, um, the, the, you know, China and, and the MLS are, are paying players. So it's very hard to get to attract these uh, marquees. So to hold 300000 or $3 million for that is probably uh, wasn't the right decision. So and the current TV model means that the, the, the club's salary cap, the, the salary for the players is, is covered? Is that is that basically how it works? Yeah, it is covered, plus a little bit more. Um, but I think clubs wanted a, a little bit more. And... You know, putting, you know, sitting on the fence a little bit here, I think it was the only thing out there. I mean, Fox, we, we're lucky that Fox came in, to be honest. I think, uh, uh, you know, credit to, to Fox to, uh, to give that sort of money. Um, otherwise, you know, the whole game would be in strife. So, you know, I know the clubs want more. I know FFA have got, you know, probably the best deal they could. Probably six years was too much, but I think that was the only thing that they could do. And, Disappointing that uh, they couldn't sell the uh, free-to-air rights and get a, a little bit extra revenue. So with that portion of uh, money going to the clubs, that's that's one element of revenue that comes in. So the question is, is it a sustainable model as it sits today? So that's one big revenue stream for the clubs. Some of the clubs currently don't have front-of-shirt sponsors, so sponsorship's obviously been uh, an issue uh, difficult to attract for A-League clubs. One of the reasons behind that has been the FFA has set some very strict guidelines on who they can and can't sign. There was talk that those guidelines guidelines would be eased a bit. Has that happened? Yeah, it has. Um, you can get a car sponsor now. Hyundai have uh, relinquished that. Um, you can get a uh, airline. So that has been relinquished. And, uh, yeah, currently we've got two clubs. One is Brisbane Royal. We'll ask Mark about that. The other one is my old club, Sydney FC. But... Uh, I'm hearing whispers that uh, there'll be an announcement very shortly at Sydney FC, which is fantastic. Uh, you know, current champions, you, you'd expect them to get a front of shirt, but it is a tough market out there and uh, it is hard to get sponsorship dollars. So when you look at the revenue pie, uh, when you put your financial reports together, 
Um, talk talk to us th- about that and and where the the bulk of the money comes from. So TV rights is one element. Sponsorship is another. Memberships obviously is a key part of that. Are they the three key components? And um, attendances at games. Um, you know, from a, an opportunity to sell tickets and you know a club like like Melbourne. Uh, Victory and Melbourne City, you know, got bigger stadia. They can probably sell a bit more tickets and and get the um, get that revenue there. But uh, you know, we've come a long way, um, and it's not all doom and gloom. A lot of clubs are now close to breaking even and and making profit as well. So um, yeah, sure, they want more and more money, but um, you know, we've got to be financially viable as well. So hopefully, uh, a lot of work's been done on the uh, financial model and. Uh, It'll be interesting to uh, see Greg's view in terms of how that's come uh, over the last uh, few months. So we're 13 seasons into the A-League. How many of the clubs uh, are financially viable today compared to, to early on? Because early on it was always Melbourne, Victory and Sydney FC, the, the, the ones that... Uh, Sydney FC never made profit. Well, until you got there. <laughs> well, they uh, still haven't made profit. <laughs> I got it down but never made profit. Well, Melbourne Victory was the, was the standout along, yeah, along, yeah. along the way. But yeah. uh, from... We're talking today. Yeah. How, how far have we come, and and how many uh, clubs oh, are financially viable today? I think um, Melbourne Victory may profit, maybe Central Coast and Adelaide. And that's about it. Everyone else still losing a lot of money, um, and it's how much hurt uh, these owners can take. And I think, as you said, thirteen seasons in, um, they're getting a little bit frustrated with that. So it's not a problem we'll solve tonight, today. But one of the key elements is okay. Then we think. Look at the, the clock, go forward. How are we going to make the club sustainable? Where Where is the the next step that we need to take? Yeah, it's a, it's a million-dollar question. Um, you know, because the free-to-air component of the TV deal was a failure, let's let's be honest. The FFA did not attract any money on the on the free-to-air component. They uh, they wanted uh, a big free-to-air player. They didn't get it. So 10, 10 came in just because, in, in the end... Foxtel did the deal with 10 to, to buy the airtime. So uh, there was no huge financial windfall from a free-to-air deal. So that's that's a cross in my in my book uh, against the FFA. Yeah, um, and, and that was – everyone was hoping to get, um, you know, sort of a, a big free-to-air deal component. You know, SBS, uh, you know, there was a lot of rumours and – you know, stuff about SBS, but, you know, Channel 10 have um, taken it on. And to be fair, the, the ratings haven't been that fantastic on Channel 10. I think Fox Fox ratings have been very, very good if you look at the numbers. And I know there's a lot of frustration out there from fans with Channel 10 and the way they're showing um, the Saturday ad night breaks. games. Ad breaks. I've, I've never had that? an ad break. We've never had an ad break on Fox, so I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to tell. But what I did notice uh, at Melbourne Victory uh, on the weekend was that uh, – the players, when a goal was scored, you could t- see the the, uh, the fourth official holding up play, uh, talking to our floor manager and ensuring the ad break was finished before play restarted. I know it's it caused a, a bit of uh, debate during the week and fans, football fans don't like it. I don't like it. I'm a traditionalist. But uh, Channel 10's obviously said, well, we want to squeeze in some ad breaks to, to help pay for this. Yeah, well... Um it's funny that they, they I've been both Saturday nights I've been at the games, but um, yeah, they actually show sort of ads um, in, during substitutions, etc., and they're copying it on social media. Um, there's ways to do it. You can do a uh, you know on the side there a quick ad and stuff like that. Not not a little ticker, a little ticker, something like that. So uh, I think Channel Ten need to um, probably have a look at that. All right, we're going to uh, take a short break. Uh, we're going to get the view of uh, the Adelaide United chairman uh, Greg Griffin uh, on that, and plenty more coming up after this. FNR.
Football Nation Radio. Football Bosses with Marco Zapponi and Tony Pinata on FNR Football Nation Radio. Yeah, welcome back to uh, the Football Bosses on Football Nation Radio. Michael Zapponi, Tony Pignata. Keep those tweets coming in. The de- delegate pass to Money in Sport on the Gold Coast up for grab. Plenty of questions coming through on Twitter, so we'll uh, get to them shortly. And uh, if you're a Perth Glory fan, get down and support your team in their first home game of the season. And if you're not a member yet, buy a membership and help the club reach their goal of 10,000 members this year. Peter Philopoulos doing a fantastic job at the Perth Glory. Actually, I'm, uh, I'm a member of nine clubs. At yep. Perth, one of them? Perth is one of them. Well, Wellington only... Phoenix, not a member? No, there's only one club. You were the CEO that at, oh, Western Sydney. Correct. <laughs> Why not? Ah, no. <laughs> Can't bring myself. Still Western of... Sydney fans, get on Twitter and uh, get Tony. Uh, let's start a campaign to get Tony uh, buying a membership of uh, Western Sydney Wanderers uh, ahead of the Derby this weekend, uh, he is a, a member of Adelaide United and the chairman of Adelaide United has been good enough to join us. Greg Griffin, welcome to the Football good evening, Bosses. Good gentlemen. Hey, Greg. Hey, Tony. One, of, one, one of the great bosses uh, in the competition is Greg. And uh, we'll start off uh, talking about Adelaide United, Greg, because uh, at the end of last season, it was a difficult period for the club. You uh, had a... a, a a bad season on the park. We know that uh, a couple of seasons ago was outstanding and, and won your first day league championship and uh, it was uh, brilliant to be in Adelaide and uh, and see it unfold. But uh, on the park, uh, it didn't go as well uh, in the following season. A difficult decision and conversations around your coach, uh, Guillaume Moore, uh, who was a wonderful bloke and uh, coached the team beautifully in that first season. Uh, but... Uh, the decision was made to part ways with him and then a lot of speculation. Well, no, no, he made that decision, to be honest, Michael. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And and then and then there was uh, obviously speculation around uh, Gabriel Batistuta and other coaches. But uh, just talk yep. us through all of that. And and uh, it's been a fantastic start on the park. So I'm sure you're pleased with where you landed. Well, I mean, obviously last year was just simply horrible. And if it could go wrong, it did go wrong. Um, but anyway, you have to, you either sit there and cry, roll up in the corner and cry, or get on with it. And so when the season ended, our actual our Champions League season wasn't bad. Uh, I thought that we were the best-performing team of all three in the Asian Champions League by a long way. Um, but that was just a mere compensation for a pretty awful A-League season, which, uh, if you have to be honest, that's exactly what it was, awful. When we lost games, we shouldn't have lost. Um, so this year, we've we've had to basically... Uh, it's a bit of a ground-zero job. And fortunately, we've got a really good football department and everyone's worked very hard and... Uh, it looks like um, all the decisions that have been made, you know, are looking pretty good. And Marco Kurtz has uh, certainly come over with a reputation. All the players I've spoken to said we've never worked so hard in our life. Double sessions uh, in the preseason, still going with double sessions. And uh, I think the fruits of his labour have shown uh, in the first couple of weeks, finishing very strongly against Brisbane Raw on the weekend and uh, securing those three points and looking forward to a big night at Adelaide Oval this weekend. Yeah, look, that's true. I mean, Marco and Philip are very professional. I mean, they, they, they literally, they, they work 12-hour days um, and they have that expectation coming from a very competitive German Bundesliga that everyone works at that level and everyone's bought in. And that's the great benefit here is that they've come. Uh, they've also, you know, all the, the, the players that we had who stayed have bought into it. But more importantly, in terms of recruitment, 
I mean, we wouldn't have picked up Corinne, we wouldn't have picked up uh, Daniel, we wouldn't have picked up um, Stefan, um, Johan, sorry, there's another Stefan that we didn't get, uh, Johan, um, without um, the fact that they all wanted to play under Mark. So, you know, it's, it's been a really good move for us. Well, congratulations so far. It's early days, um, Greg. But, yeah, um, two games in, I'm not, I'm not going no, to right. cut the keg just that's yet, right. Tony. But um, no, we're all about uh, money in, in business and in football. And, um, yeah, a couple of questions come in. And one which um, you know, we started the show with uh, was about uh, the A-League model. And um, I know a lot of work was, has been done on the, uh, the revenue side. Can you bring us up to speed how that's going with the FFA? Well, the FFA are very difficult to deal with, uh, to put it mildly. Um, and unless they actually have a complete change of heart, then I don't think that they'll be there much longer. Uh, that's my view. Um, I mean, basically, the A-League accounts are around 75 80% of the revenues for the game in this country. Um, at the moment, the, the clubs, which are without doubt the mainstay of the game, are being starved of resources. And, Tony, you'd know that from looking at your budget, seeing what it costs to put a team on the park and seeing what dividends you get. It's, it's simply... It's, it's driving good clubs into financial stress. And there's no reason for it. The money's there. Um, and unless and until the FFA, either voluntarily or someone else comes in, takes a different view, um, the, ga- the game is being held back by, the, the, I think, the uncommercial and the, um, shall I say, vindictive attitude of... Uh, the FFA to the clubs. I mean, when I... Um, yeah, when I... Yeah, no, that's, that's what I expected from you, Greg. Um, <laughs> when, I, uh, when I left, um, you know, we were talking about, you know, 3.7 million. Um, is that still the case, what, what clubs are getting in cash? Not, not contra, but just purely cash? Oh, look, the, the, the cash component's just 3.1, 3.2. Okay. Uh, but, I mean, I mean, but that's... The discretionary, I actually think that's probably greater than it is, to be honest, because on top of that, uh, we just keep on being loaded with more expenses. And uh, everyone seems to be getting more money except the clubs who are the engine room. I mean, you, you see Stephen Lowy and David Gallup stand up and talk and they say the A-League is the engine room. But then, you know, basically all they have done since they've been in control for the last two years is starve the A-League of funds. And God knows where they're going, but I'll find out on Monday because I'll be inspecting the books and records. So that'll be interesting. So uh, obviously at the moment, Greg, we've got uh, the FFA who've uh, called an extraordinary general meeting on the 1st of November. They said that that's to vote on resolutions to change the FFA's constitution. Uh, And in their words, in order to expand representation on its Congress. Now, oh, that's the, just rubbish and bullshit, if you know the truth. Well, that, yeah. that, 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 their words. <laughs> yeah. Talk to us about the, the current impasse. I know you've played a big role in uh, working with the clubs mm-hmm. to change this constitutional model. Where are we currently sitting? And uh, well, well, essentially, you've got FIFA and AFC saying, at the moment, you cannot have one stakeholder controlling the composition of the Congress or the board. At the moment, the federations with 90% of the vote... The, the clubs of 10%, which is, I mean, we're equivalent of Tasmania or Northern Territory. Look at it that way, which contribute probably 1%, if that, of the revenues, and we, we 
we actually produced 75 to 80 percent. Um, so we have no right. We, we have no say. And so FIFA have come in. Now, this has been going for seven years. It's just that the board of the FFA kept it secret, of course, because if they had disclosed to the clubs the fact that FIFA were saying this is undemocratic, this is in breach of our statutes, then this fight would have been had seven years ago. So, to put, so basically, there are some very angry clubs for good reason. So FIFA and AFC have come. We've actually had some very productive meetings with the PFA because we seem to the same hymn sheet as them in terms of a democratic uh, congress. And we've twice reached agreement with the federations, the state federations, as to a 9551 split of the votes. And twice that has been um, sabotaged, that uh, deal, by the FFA board. So now that they can't get their own way and they've lost the Players Association and the clubs, they tried to get the uh, federations to, to move a motion for an EGM to push for the 9441. Now, the, the, the trick of the 9441 is it gives the federations 60% control of the Congress, which means that every board position is still controlled by them. In the 14 years that the FFA board's been in operation, 14 years, seven members on the board, there have been 12 appointments in 14 years. It's a world record for incompetence, 12 appointments. Of the 12 appointments, all of which have been recommended by the existing board to the federations, there has yet never been an election. So what you've got is you've got a totally compliant federation, group of federations who sit there and do as they're told. Now, what uh, Stephen is putting forward for this 9441, it sounds like they're, they're increasing the democratic um, uh, spend, but they're not because they're maintaining on a 9441 proposal complete control of the board. It's the board that determines the distributions to the A-League clubs. It's the board that determines where the money's spent, where the revenues are, are gathered from and where they're expended. So in effect, what they're trying to do, it's all smoke and mirrors. They're trying to think that they're trying to put forward to the Australian public that they are making compromise. They are making no compromise. So they still have full and, control, as you said. So the, yeah, the, the they, key number they, is that 60% is required to elect a board member, 50% required to remove, and 75% of votes are required to amend the constitution. So correct. if you were to get five into that model, five A-League clubs, uh, mm. it then gives you at least the power to, to have a say as to who's on the board. Is that, is that what you're well, aiming exactly for? exactly right. And more importantly, it means that we can block uh, basically board-driven appointments like every appointment thus far for the last 14 years has been driven by the board to put on the board people that they want. Greg, is it 9411? Because you're saying 9441. No, 9411. Yeah. 94, yeah, okay. Yeah. Right. And the which four is, the which is what the federations yeah. put that, and we've rejected it, and the PFA have rejected it. So what happens... So the, the only body that accepts that is the body without a vote, which is the board of the FFA, which has been told by FIFA that their job is to convene the uh, consent and the meetings between the stakeholders, of which they are not one, but they insist upon asserting a position, as Stephen says, in the interest of the game, which in reality is the interest of the FFA board, which is to keep control. What they say is they can't trust 
the Players Association and the clubs to have the right to influence who is to be a board member. And that's what it comes down to. It's all about control and power. So my understanding, though, is if um, it gets past 9411, um, FIFA doesn't have to accept it because... No, FIFA will just come in and appoint a normalisation committee. So, so how, it, how close are we that? How close are we... Uh, well, I mean, I mean, basically, if FIFA do appoint the normalisation committee, it will be absolutely and completely the fault of the board of the FFA. They, they will stand accused of causing this disruption. So where do you think it's going to end up? So on the 1st of November, we have this EGM, which... Well, the EGM is probably going to be challenged, to be truthful. But and so that means that uh, you'll, you'll push for that meeting not to, not to, not to be held? Oh, look, uh, we're meeting on Tuesday to discuss whether we should injunct the EGM going forward because we say it's being pushed forward for an unlawful purpose, an improper purpose, which is to allow the board to maintain control of uh, the election process, which is in breach of the FIFA statutes, which is a pretty powerful argument. What, what are the, I don't want to get too involved in, in the numbers, but I think we've got a fair uh, understanding of where, where the situation sits. You and the other A-League clubs, I know you've been involved with working closely with Simon Pearce and, and some of the other yep. chairman of the clubs. Well, we, we, we speak with one voice, Michael. Yeah. There's 10 of us. We sing from exactly the same hymn sheet. So what, what do you want to achieve out of all of this? Uh, understand greater power, greater say. But the end game, where, where do we need the game to head in the next couple of years? Are we talking about... Uh... You need an independent A-League. Let's, yeah. be, let's cut to the chase. And we don't think under this board, under the Lowy board, there will ever be an independent A-League that we will accept because of the fact we can't deal with Stephen as it is and he can't deal with us. So what prospect is there of, ever, of him putting a proposal for an independent A-League which is going to be vaguely acceptable to us? Now, unless and until there is a split of the A-League from the FFA, which has shown that it's not capable of running what it does now, the game will prosper if, if, the, if there's an independent A-League. But we will bring in resources. We will bring in um, finances. It'll be, in five years, a completely different game. Our concern is that... Um, for so long as this current board remains in power, that um, there will be no change. And it suits them to stay in control because they'll continue to take all of the revenues that we create, which we spend and they don't, and, and then the game won't grow. Like, for example, new teams. I mean, basically, they've been talking about new teams for four years. And then they come out and they invite all these offers from, from other potential club owners then come out and say, no, there's no new teams for two more years. Well, I mean, basically, the reason that they don't want a new team is they don't have a plan for a new team. They don't have a plan for a new A-League. And, and that's why there has to be an independent A-League. Let, let the board of the FFA run the national teams and grassroots referees and the like. But what they can't continue to do is purport to be able to run the A-League because they're just not up to it. 
We were talking about this earlier in terms of the lead into this season. It's it's been underwhelming. Uh, the marketing spend uh, I, I haven't seen the books. You could tell us. Uh, no, no, three hundred thirty-seven dollars and twenty-six cents have spent so far. Yeah, it's been uh, almost non-existent. The uh, oh. promotion leading well, into the Well, two years the ago, they did the same thing, and yeah. we complained bitterly at a meeting. So you know, heads rolled. Never going to happen again. And this year, it's worse. I mean, have you ever seen? I mean, for example, the the, the season launch at Port Melbourne. Football club? It was embarrassing. You are kidding me, aren't you? It was it embarrassing. Was, I watched the and How many chairmen were there? I'll tell you the number. Zero. How many chairmen go to any events where Stephen and the board are? Zero. You know why? Because the love has left the room. And interesting, just looking at the Melbourne crowd on uh, on the weekend, 35,000 for a Melbourne derby at Etihad. No, I haven't terrible. looked at the numbers, but that, I think going back on history, that'd probably be the lowest one they've had at uh, Etihad crowd-wise. Yeah. Yes, it was the lowest. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not victory or city's fault. I mean, the fact is there has been no promotion of this season. And to suggest... Oh, look, I don't know what their plan is, because they if, if they don't know what their plan is, how do we know what it is? That's the first thing. But, I mean, the, the spend has been zero. I mean, or if it's not zero, it's close to zero. And you can see... I mean, even the Western Sydney, um, Sydney game is struggling for ticket sales. And it's struggling because this season has not been properly marketed. Yeah, look, it's... I mean, basically, it's the FFA board. It's cut your nose off to spite your face stuff. So they clearly don't want to be seen to do anything, which is to uh, assist the A-League. So what they're doing is doing nothing. Yeah, I mean, if they've got rid of their marketing department as well. And, um, yeah, you know, this, this weekend it's the Sydney Derby, which is, um, you know, sold out at Allianz the last six games. And it's... Um, you know, could not could not sell out possibly, yeah. and uh, that'll be an absolute travesty. Well, what I've actually asked our CEO today to do today, Tony, is to uh, check with the FFA to see how much money the FFA is now putting into promoting Sydney Derby because we have a game on Friday night at Adelaide Oval, and I want to know. Well, hang on, if if you're putting extra money into promoting the Sydney Derby, why aren't you putting money into the Adelaide United? against victory game on Friday night, which for many people, I mean, outside of Sydney, is a far bigger match. Well, last time you played at Adelaide Oval, would you have 40,000? Oh, last time we had 52,000. 52,000 for the grand final. <laughs> <laughs> that was the grand final. No, but against victory, could have, no, 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 could have no, fit no, Adelaide Oval twice that day. Yeah. I, I, think, I think we've been to 25, okay. um, which, I mean, on Friday, I mean, we're expecting a pretty good crowd. And that's absolutely nothing to do with um, the FFA's efforts, I might add. It's because, um, basically, I think the Adelaide public uh, are very... I think they're very happy with the recruitment, the new coach, the fact that they've started the season positively. And Melbourne Victory, Melbourne Victory come here, and it's a big day. I mean, they're they're, they're our traditional rivals, um, and I, I still think, notwithstanding the lack of marketing and support, it'll be a successful night. I'm sure it will, and uh, I'll be there. I look forward to seeing you there uh, on Friday night, Greg. I'll even buy your beers, Oh, Thanks, mate. Well, look forward to that. (laughs) And uh, thank you very much for joining us on our first show. Pleasure, gentlemen. Thanks, Greg. Greg Griffin, the chairman of uh, Adelaide United. We're going to take a break. You're listening to the Football Bosses Show on FNR Football Nation Radio. More after the break. Football Nation Radio. Football Bosses with Michael Zapponi and Tony Pinata.
on FNR Football Nation Radio. Yeah, welcome back. Uh, you're listening to Football Nation Radio and the Football Bosses Show, and it is proudly brought to us by DKP and Co. Chartered Accountants and Aspire Planning. Uh, we thank them for uh, their support, and don't forget to money in sport as well. We've got two delegate passes to give away on the Gold Coast in November to the best tweet over the next couple of weeks. We've had plenty of uh, traffic on Twitter, so we'll get to some of those tweets uh, a little bit later. But uh, talking to another man who's been in charge of a football club. His name is Mark Kingsman. As of a couple of days ago, he was the managing director of the Brisbane Raw. He joins us on the line now. Mark, thanks for joining us. No problem, guys. How are you? Well, thank you, Mark. Uh, tell us a little bit about your journey over the last few months. Uh, we know that uh, Brisbane Raw has uh, got to the backery group involved as uh, as the owners, and, and it's been a tumultuous uh, uh, period for the club over the last couple of years ever since uh, they've been involved several uh, CEOs or managing directors have come and gone um, there's been issues around the training value at uh, at Brisbane we've heard John Aloisi and Ross Aloisi speak consistently about uh, the difficulties that the the club on the park has had to face uh, with uh, the difficulty around training facilities and uh, we know that Brisbane doesn't have a front of shirt sponsor uh, one of only two clubs uh, coming into this season without one so uh, talk to us about uh, your experience and some of the difficulties uh, you had uh, as the managing director there this year. I mean, obviously, we, I mean, first of all, on the, the Ballymore pitch, then we've had we've had issues around the Ballymore pitch. Um, that that's not that's not a reflection on what's happened with the owners because um, the owners provided funds to 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 pay for Ballymore the use of Ballymore the stadium up until January. Um, when we when we were looking to move into to the new Logan premises, so that's certainly not come about because of issues in terms of funding. Um, but I know it caused some consternation amongst the the the, the coaching department. Um, Queensland Rugby Union uh, advised us that they'd increased uh, the amount of water that they were putting on the pitch by 33% um, to try and soften the pitch up. Um, but as as most people probably know, we've had a very dry winter up in Queensland and that, that certainly, you know, caused a few issues. So in an, in an ideal world, we'd have had even more water on there, but um, certainly that's not something that could come down to the owners. Um, Mark, and, um, and, it's um, Tony Pinata. Um Thanks hey, for Tony. coming on. I'm, I know we had a bit of a chat today, but um, do you want to just maybe go through what, what happened the last few days? Because it I think came to a to a shock to a lot of um, people in in the game in football. Uh, you know, with um, you know, you you've been asked to leave. Yeah, I mean, I mean as, as you know, Tony, that's football. Um, but at the end of the day, yeah, you're absolutely right. It was a, it was a shock, and um, you know, it's probably something when you when you look back over the last um, maybe two or three weeks, you could probably see it coming um, in in terms of uh, the way in which there was. There became a complete lack of communication from um, from from the ownership um, group there, and that that really, um, when you look back on it, you think, well, that that that, that was strange, um, and you and you can see it coming. But you you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing, which made it easier. But um, certainly disappointed because I thought we were making headway. Uh, there's a lot of talk around the fact that we haven't got a front of shirt sponsor. You know the, the the total amount of sponsorship that we that we've got coming into the club in terms of cash and VIK was 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 um, slightly in excess of what we had last year. So it was it wasn't a bad position to to be in. And you mentioned obviously two clubs out of 
out of the 10. Um, obviously, the Jets have got their owner's company on the front, so um, that's, that, that, that could be considered maybe not, not having an outside sponsor, but um, Sydney, who obviously uh, you know very well, Tony, and ran away with the competition last, last season, um, they've, they've struggled to get one as well. It's not easy, as you know, to, uh, to raise those kinds of funds. More people uh, currently are interested in uh, the, the, the youth development side of um, the, the, the game and, uh, and also the, the, the women's game as it is and, and that's where they're looking for sponsorship opportunities yeah they Obviously are and, yeah I agree and um, I know that um, you know Sydney have uh, I think they're going to announce something um, probably tomorrow which is uh, great for them but uh, how long have the Bakery Group now been involved with uh, Brisbane Roy is it six seven years six, six, six years yeah is it time they go I mean they've been there six seven years I mean Brisbane is such a huge market um, it's a, still a, you know only only Brisbane Roar in, in in the whole state. The potential is is huge, but it just seems to be that every year there's some issues around Brisbane Roar, um, you know. And and you know from reading and, and speaking with you, you've, you've you've even had to use your own credit card to pay some bills, etc. Which is not not yeah. what what the football you know sort of CEO managing director should be doing. No, it's not. It's not, but it's something that we did, um, you, you know, and, and, all, and also not just me. In recent weeks, Brendan Boss, who, who, who was my general manager there, he, he also put his, his hand in the pocket and used his credit card. Um, I was I was disappointed that he had to do that, but it was it was in my absence. And, and no, you're absolutely right that that shouldn't happen. Uh, but it's worth pointing out that, that, that those, those funds come back. Um, but we needed to go through... Um, we, we, well, we needed to make sure that, that the players were paid on time, um, that essential services were paid, um, so that we could we could continue to run a football club. And it, it, it's as it has been my understanding for the last six years, it's a timing issue. It's not about the owners not being prepared to invest. It's about when they it's about when they invest, um, and that's that's that that proved to be the problem in in my case. That uh, and, and as you say on. Many, many, many occasions, I had to put my hand into my own pocket um, to, to 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 pay, and as and as recently as last week. Yeah, but that's, um, was, was, that's was not how you run thing. a uh, professional uh, football club. And uh, I know the FFA have got you know bigger issues to deal with, etc. But they need to start you know looking at the ownership structure. We've had you know you know we had the uh, the Newcastle and um, other owners, and I know they've been involved in in other clubs, etc. But um, you know, they just can't just sit back and worry about other stuff. They need to look at the whole structure because it does impact the whole league. And uh, and I think it's time that they uh, focus on on the Bakery Group and uh, and really, you know, sit down with them. I know they have in the past, and it's always the same thing. Yep, but then every year it's the same issue. And um, and uh, and I was, re- I was actually really surprised that um, David went back today. David Pore was appointed the uh, managing director because I know why he left. You know, fifteen, sixteen months ago, and um, he's back there. So. Uh, yeah, quite interesting move by David. Mark, be you've been really close to it, obviously, for the last year and a half. What does Brisbane ne- Raw need to do to... Uh, yeah, look, for me, I've been there many times, watched A-League games. Suncorp's a wonderful venue, but for me, it's not an A-League venue. It is too big for uh, for A-League football. Uh, when you're watching it on TV, it just looks like there's no one there. Uh, the atmosphere when you're in the ground is great, but do, does the club need to look longer term at a better solution for uh, for a facility, not just for playing, but for training as well? Well, I mean, obviously, longer term, we've got the, we've got the Logan solution, which is going to be phenomenal. 
um, in, you know, in terms of training. So, I mean, hopefully the boys will be there in January and training on that, which, uh, which is, which is a, a big, big step forward. Um, obviously with, with Queensland Rugby Union at the moment, we're sharing a, a ground with, uh, with rugby. So you, you, you've got, mixed lines on there you've got our lines are, are painted on red um on a pitch as a football pitch and you've got rugby posts um there so by the nature of that a pitch has to be slightly shorter than we would obviously like because we're going to put goal mouse in in front of rugby posts so it's not it's not ideal but when i when i joined the club last august it was you know we didn't have anywhere we had nowhere to train at all i mean uh so we, we were faced with the situation we had nowhere at all and the the football department had uh, had done some research, and that's where they wanted to to train, and uh, we were able to secure that. And and it, it, it's it, it's not ideal, but it was it was a whole lot better than what it was um, when when I, when we started. So that's that's important. But we've got the Logan as a development. Um, you, you, you know, Suncorp Stadium is Tony. You and I have, have have spoken about this many times in the past, but it's a fifty-two thousand seat stadium. It's twice the size of Amy Park. It's a fantastic stadium. There's no question about it. Sometimes the playing surface leaves a, a lot to be desired, but they've got to they've got to make money somehow. So they've got to put um, other events on there, which obviously we'd rather not. We'd rather have a, a stadium just just entirely for ourselves. But there's not another stadium that works for us in in or works for Brisbane Roar in in, um, in 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 the location. Until that happens, then we 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 have to work with Suncorp Stadium as best we can and. Um, you know, when you when you're paying for one of the biggest stadiums in the country, um, that's going to cost you. I mean, yeah. we're we're, play, we're playing in a ground that's bigger than Anfield. And I think um, and I think that's the key. I think we need to look to the future. And and we talk about you know promotion and relegation. We talk about second division. And I think we need to have in that same conversation uh, a conversation around stadiums. And 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 uh, we know that in the US is a different story with the financial models. But a lot of the clubs own their state same stadiums. Until we have that situation, it's always going to be difficult for uh, for clubs to turn a profit or to to fill the venues because uh, the US has gone through that change over the last decade and. And uh, they're all the better for it. But, uh, you know, we know that Ballymore is there. It needs a lot of work. Uh, but one of the advantages I think that New South Wales and Queensland have is they do have more rectangular venues to, to work with. And uh, and in the longer term, I think they're the conversations um, we need to start having. Oh, if you had, a, if you had a, the equivalent of Seabus Stadium in Brisbane, then that would be fantastic. I think every supporter would agree with that, that if you could get that type of more boutique type of stadium um, there, then, then that would be amazing. But it would still come under the stadium's Queensland um, go- governance, and, and that would be an issue as well. So when you start looking towards outside investment, and then you think, well, okay, that's that's fine, I build it, but then I've got to hand the keys over to stadium's Queensland, because as soon as you hit ten thousand capacity, they take control. Um, so you, you you could well end up in a, in exactly the same situation that, that you're with right now. That you, you you know you're paying you're paying a lot of money. Um, and whilst, whilst you've got that and it comes under that control of the government, then, then they're going to question, well, we've already got a stadium that can accommodate it. Okay, it's not ideal. So you've got to question that. We were working with we were working with government at um, both, both state, federal, um, and, obviously, and obviously local level. And uh, you know, Brendan Boss and myself were down with um, the, the, the federal minister for sport down in Canberra just probably six weeks ago. And, and discussing, you know, discussing that and talking with the SFA around the possibilities of, of getting a, a boutique stadium in Brisbane on the back of the, the 2023 World Cup 
um, you know, for the the Women's World Cup, which gave us gave us a, a, a slither of hope that we could get our own stadium. Um, we are running and, out of time. We are running out, but it, it, it's encouraging to hear that those conversations are being had. And obviously, there's still a lot. There were, there were being, there yeah. were being had. They weren't. <laughs> they well, they were, were being had. They were, they yeah, were so, being had, and hopefully, yeah. hopefully, um, <laughs> you know, obviously, David's picked up the mantle. I mean, in, in answer to the question, was I surprised about him going back? I'd love to have him, whoever whoever sold him that. Um, opportunity i'd love to have them on board and and, and trying to sell me a front of shirt because i'm sure that would have filled pretty quickly and 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 um, finally i know that uh, you've been involved in uh, the club itself has been involved in trying to get uh, their new signing eric baltek uh, the frenchman uh, to australia I, I understand there's good news today the the visas finally come through uh, why did it take so long I mean, I think there's, I mean, from what what I've been told, and obviously we've had a lot of conversations, and again, I'd like to, to, to thank a lot of people that, that helped around that. We had the Raw Supporters Federation, the, the leader there that was active in trying to to get that push forward. And, and we also had, as I say, um, government, a, a, a local MP um, it was, 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 was working on that for us as well. So we had a lot of support. I believe it was an issue between the way in which uh, the, the French immigration sent through information to Australian, uh, our, our own immigration departments, and the fact that it's not automatically read, it had to be manually read. Um, and in a world where everything's automated, that took that took some time. And, uh, you, you know, we were told several times it was on top of the pile and you wouldn't want to be one of the people on the bottom of the pile, that's for sure. But... Um, but we, 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 they were obviously pleased. It was good that that came through on Monday. So we started the day off with some some good news and, and having that on Monday. And then obviously Monday afternoon, I got some some less than good news. But, uh, you know, he, he arrived, I believe, today. And, well, he did arrive today. And he, he'll, be a, he'll be a fantastic in, in addition to the side. Mark, we thank you for joining us uh, on the show. And uh, we wish you all the best. No problem, guys. Thanks so much. All the best. Mark Kingsman, the former managing director of the Brisbane Raw. We need to take a break. Uh, You're listening to the Football Bosses on Football Nation Radio. All thanks to DKP and Co. Chartered Accountants. FNR, Football Nation Radio. Football Bosses with Michael Zapponi and Tony Pinata on FNR, Football Nation Radio. Welcome back to the Football Bosses. And don't forget, uh, for all your Perth Glory fans uh, listening, uh, get down to support your team in their first home game of the season. And if you are not a member yet, get on because your club needs you. They're aiming for 10,000 members this year. Get on board. Perth Glory up against the Central Coast Mariners uh, in uh, this weekend's round of football. And we've had fantastic traffic on Twitter. Tweets from all over the world, Tony. We are giving away over the next couple of weeks two delegate passes to the Money in Sport Conference on the Gold Coast in November. It's a terrific conference. I've been there before, and anyone interested in the business of sport uh, should go along to this one. And uh, $1,500 worth of uh, prize there for one of the delegate passes. I just want to throw a couple of questions at you quickly. We've got a minute. Tony, uh, what about um, the uh, – here it is uh, – revenues for – Shirt sponsorships, uh, uh, sorry, merchandise sales is one of the questions we had. How does that work for A-League clubs? It doesn't. You don't uh, get anything? It's hardly anything. It's not a big uh, revenue item because, uh, you know, you only get a, a small portion of it and it's something that the clubs have been um, screaming about for a long, long time. So the other part of that question is where do you see clubs uh, that can grow their revenue streams uh, beside ticket sales, TV and sponsors? 
They'd well, be the main ones, wouldn't yeah, they? Exactly. Yeah, it's a bit. Uh, it's a bit hard. Merchandise is something that's uh, been raised and uh, needs to uh, keep uh, keep pushed. How about this one? Is it true that you wear your Lycra kit no, around the house? <laughs> yeah, I've been doing a lot of cycling at the moment. I've got nothing else to do. That's, that's from Thank jo- you, Johnny McCain. That's from Johnny McCain. Can A-League clubs balance the need to grow profit, a broader uh, responsibility to their local football communities to help grassroots development? Do they have enough responsibility to grassroots clubs, the A-League clubs? Probably they don't. I mean, they probably rely on the uh, state federations to do that. Um, I know that um, the clubs I've been involved in, we try and do a lot in community, but it's a, it's a balance with uh, with dollars and, and resources. But um, it's a fair point uh, that they probably need to All do. All right, a we've bit got more. plenty more to get through on Twitter. We will uh, we'll answer them uh, on social media over the next few days, and uh, we look forward uh, for you guys to join us again next week on the Football Bosses. We thank our guests, Greg Griffin and uh, Mark Kingsman. Tony, we'll do it again next week. Yeah, looking forward to it. Thanks for listening to the Football Bosses here on uh, Football Nation Radio. All thanks to our great friends at DKP Chartered Accountants. Yeah, before we go, um, tomorrow night uh, on Fox at 7 o'clock, um, there's a uh, one-hour special on uh, the season that Sydney FC had last year, and um, yours truly is um, there, and um, Graham, and it'd be great. They're featuring to, uh, your uh, mug on TV, are they? Yeah, I think I'll get a couple of um, segments. I didn't, make the, I didn't hit the, the cutting floor, but, um, yeah, 7 o'clock tomorrow night on Fox Sports. No problem. Thank you, Tane. We look forward to that. The Football Bosses proudly brought to you by DKP, Chartered Accountants. Uh, We'll see you again next week. Football Bosses with Michael Zapponi and Tony Pinata on FNR Football Nation Radio.